Orchids are one of the largest flowering plant species and probably one of the most popular plants in the world. They come in all sorts of shapes and sizes and can be found on every continent except Antarctica, growing everywhere from hot swamps to cold mountain tops. Hey, I'm Vanessa Fuchs, and in today's episode of Branch Out, I have a chat to Jessica Waite. She's a technical officer at the Australian Institute of Botanical Science, and she's dedicated to saving native orchid species in Australia from extinction. We caught up at the Australian Plant Bank at the Australian Botanic Garden Mount Annan in Sydney's southwest, where she's based. Keep listening to learn more about some of Australia's unique orchid species and the challenging and crucial conservation research Jessica's involved in. There's obviously a foundation of having a passion for plants, but how did you end up doing what you're doing and what exactly is that? Well, I sort of fell into this role after being a fauna ecologist for several years with some engineering companies and an opportunity came up to work here and I took the opportunity on and I haven't looked back because it's for me it's well I feel like it's one of those very few jobs where it's purely based on conservation and I basically yeah really enjoy working with the plants. Before we dive into the research, what is it you like in particular about um, orchids and especially our native Australian orchids, which sometimes when people see photos of them, they're like, oh my God, they're so tiny, some of them. For the orchids, I really love the fact that they're, um, they're so complex, even, even with their flower structure. It's so different to any, any other flower that you see. Um, and not only that, they have really complex relationships with the mycorrhizal fungi and often with pollinators. So they may only be pollinated by one particular type of insect, for example. There's so much that isn't known about them and so much to learn. So you, you just want a job for life, right? I think so. I feel like you can never stop learning about the orchids. And so uh, why do they need so much of your attention um, and expertise? You know, why, why are they endangered or under threat? What are some of those big, big things happening out there? So orchids, so many of our native orchids in Australia are threatened for a number of reasons really. Um, because they, they have such complex associations with mycorrhizal fungi and also with the pollinators, it doesn't take much disturbance in their local environment for things to go wrong for them. So we may have a bushfire for example that wipes out a lot of the pollinators and for the next several years there's no way that these populations can set any seeds. Also, some of them grow in highly restricted areas. So some of the, the populations, we may only have about, um, I, I don't know, 10 or 20 individuals. And if something happens to that area, um, we, it can potentially wipe out the entire population. Oh my God, only 10 or 12 plants, like individual yeah, plants. Possibly. In some cases, we've gone down to try and um, collect some seeds and there may only be two or three individuals. And when, yeah, when it comes to collecting them, anything can, can threaten them. So if we have a, a hot day, the, the flowers can dry out and the pods don't develop. So oh. that's the whole entire seed collection gone for one year. Oh my God. Wow, you really, are, you know, when you say challenging, that, that paints a really good picture of just how tough it is. Um, so the, the project you're working on, I, I had a look, there's eight, endangered or critically endangered orchid species. Can you just tell us about, maybe not all eight of them, but just tell us a little more about um, the species we have here. 
we're working on sort of a fairly broad range of orchid species. We have a beautiful orchid down in Kangaloon called the Kangaloon Sun Orchid, Thelemitra kangalunica. That's a very big showy orchid. And then we have another one, Calichylus polkellus, which is the pretty beard orchid. And interestingly, we did a study on that last year on their pollination, and it involved sitting down and watching the flowers to see if there was any visitation of insects. And we had the same wasp appear every time, um, trying to mate with the plant, mate with the flower. And each time it attempted to mate, it had, it had the pollinia stuck to its head accidentally. And then it would then go, go off and fly to a new, new flower and rub the pollen up and down the flower. <laughs> and yeah, it, it, that was the specific pollinator for that species. So it's very interesting. It obviously thought that it was a female wasp. Wow, hang on. So it was doing it right? It was doing everything it needed to in terms of it was, helping? It was doing everything it needed to do in terms of attempting to mate with a female wasp, but in doing so, it po- pollinated the flowers. Oh my God, that was a bit funny to watch. And when you say the same wasp, you mean species or individual? The, the, same, the same species of wasp kept on visiting, but um, we would observe the same individual go from flower to flower um, pollinating. That's so cool to witness. And just that... That stillness of, I mean, I can't remember the last time I just would sit somewhere for that long. Like, how long were you there just watching nature do its thing? (laughs) We were sitting there probably for about um, three hours each attempt. And I think we were, there was a period where we were going down there every week to watch these flowers during the flowering season. And um, Zoe had a little echidna come up and visit her on one occasion, which was pretty cute. I'm so jealous. This is so cool. Well, yeah, on some occasions we would sit there for about an hour and a half and there would be no action at all. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the wasp would appear. But it was quite a big wasp, so you could hear it coming. (laughs) That's cool. And you're like, oh, here he comes with some more action. (laughs) Coming up after the break, successfully isolating the right fungi and an orchid species that didn't flower for 10 years. To ensure all our botanic gardens across Sydney remain places of outstanding horticultural beauty, scientific institutions at the forefront of research and important centres of learning, we need your support. There are heaps of ways you can do this too. You can volunteer, make a one-off or monthly donation, leave a legacy, or you can become a member. Just head to the Join and Support button at the top of any of the garden's websites to find out how you can make a valuable contribution and protect plants for generations to come. So what does this research involve? You know, looking at these eight eight species, what are you trying to achieve? What's the, the end game here? Um, the end game, well, the main objective of this project is to have um, plants ready for translocation. So with our orchid species a lot of them come from um, populations which are severely limited or obviously prone to damage Um, so we are hoping to be able to produce enough plants to eventually translocate back into the wild to boost the wild populations or to um, or to create new populations in similar areas 
Okay, and you've, you've talked about some of the challenges that um, arise from this, but what are some particularly challenging things you've, you've come across? I mean, and also, when did this start? Like, how many years or months has it been going? It's been a while. So it started in, I think, about 2000 and maybe 2018, but 2019 is when I came aboard. Um, and the biggest challenge we had at that time was the drought. So it was really hard for us to get good collections of seeds to do our research with. Um, and even the collections that we, we got once we started using them, we realised um, that they just weren't good collections. So there, there may have been maybe one good seed in a hundred bad seeds. And, and with orchids, there's such low germination rates anyway, so we weren't getting any results for probably about two years. But once the drought broke, we were able to get some really good collections and in the in the wild at these wild populations they even increased from say 30 plants at one stage to 3,000 plants the next year so we were really able to boost our numbers once the drought broke and we're finally getting some good results. Okay so those good results what are some of these small wins or big breakthroughs you've had? Um, so one of the major breakthroughs but breakthroughs with these orchids is to be able to isolate um, the correct micro mycorrhizal fungi from the orchid itself. So we can do this by um, taking a little piece of tissue from a, a wild plant, but often um, when we do this, there's, we get a whole range of mycorrhizal fungi, but only one will work. So we have to do a whole range of germination trials and hopefully we, we match the right seed or good quality seed with the right um, fungi, fungi and we are able to produce chlorophyllous seedlings but it often takes a long time and the seeds themselves can take up to um, like four or five months to even start germinating. Oh my god that's uh, uh, I don't know how you have the patience like the fact that you know it can take a whole year to try and get seed again and then you're isolating the fungi and then you're trying to match it up and then you're waiting four months for little to, I describe that moment when you see I don't know is it like a little green shoot coming out like how did how does that feel it must be like Christmas morning it yeah it's a bit like Christmas morning because especially with these ones that recently we've had well, we've had several sort of small wins recently and it just feels like so much effort and time has gone into creating a little green seedling and <laughs> it makes you feel good once you see that because you think, oh, finally, it's all worthwhile. That's amazing. Um, so there's that one in particular that you haven't seen flower in 10 years. Is that still the case? Uh, can you tell us about that one? Well, that's Genoplesium rhyolyticum, um, which occurs down near Pambula. Um, we were told that it hadn't been seen flowering for 10 years when we first started this project. Um, so the thing is with, with this one, we, we tried for several, for quite a few years and we didn't really have any success. Um, I think it was probably due to poor seed collections being the drought and we just decided to hold off on it. But at the same time, I had, um, 
I had some old soil baits that I had set up from a previous experiment and just thought, we just thought, oh, we'll just keep them running just in case, even though the funding had stopped and it wasn't officially one of our species anymore. Um, and then I had a little uh, seedling grow on the soil bait and I thought, well, I won't let it go to waste. I'll try and isolate from it, which I did. And now we have several cultures that are actually working. So I've just, I just got in touch with the species coordinator a little while ago and sent her a picture and say, look, look what we've done. We, we've, got, we've got them growing. Wow, so you I didn't think, give up. Yeah. We didn't give up. And I think yeah, we, we should hopefully start um, some more formal work on that soon. Okay, so once the you see that little sign of life, it's happening. Where do they where do they go? Where do they go to be safe? <laughs> so we set up like uh, we, we do what is we call is like a bulk up experiment where we sow the seeds on agar on a, on top of a piece of filter paper. We inoculate them with the right um, fungi, and we wait for them to grow. And then as they do grow and they turn chlorophyllous, we we transfer them into what we call um, growth containers, which have a layer of agar on the bottom, some vermiculite on top, and we leave them in there for about two to three months and then we transfer them into soil. So for several of our species, well, not several, probably about three, we're at that stage now where we're bulking them up and we're just trying to get them to, to survive the transition process between going from a sterile environment to a non-sterile environment in soil. And they're really delicate when they come out, so it's, it's a bit touch and go, but we're trying to, we, we've established a few experiments to work out what soil is best to put it in. And we're hoping that from what we find, we'll be able to really grow them on in higher numbers and have them survive. Oh my God. It's like um, releasing animals into the wild, like, you know, whether they've been bred in captivity, obviously <laughs> there's a much, you know, like better conditions, but that's how, that's the parallel I'm kind of drawing. And you're like, come on, will you make it out there? Like, and then some hawk comes and swoops <laughs> and takes it out. Sorry, <laughs> but no. So you're hoping you can grow them out there, then they'll survive. Yeah, we're, ho <laughs> we're hoping to grow them on, translocate them, and really hope that a feral rabbit doesn't come and munch them down. <laughs> um, so I just have another question that just came to my head. If you are going out there to collect seed and you notice that there's one plant left or two, is, is the protocol to, oh my God, dig it up, let's bring it back and look after it before it, it's all gone? Um, so the, the protocol at the moment, if we need to take a seed collection um, and, and hopefully be able to make some inroads in germinating them, we usually just take one or two pods from the plant. If it has several pods on it, we don't want to take everything that's there. Um, and we don't tend to take um, the last remaining plants either. We've, we've taken a few um, from larger populations, but never from populations which are, say, less than five, just because I think they're, they're sort of more valuable in the wild at that stage. But I mean, we're trying to do what we can. Thanks for listening to Branch Out. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a five-star rating and a review. It helps more people find Branch Out to discover the surprising world of plants. Next week is another Fast Flora Facts episode, where I share the most interesting bite-sized chunks of research, stories, and just downright cool facts about everything to do with plants. To get every Branch Out episode, make sure you hit subscribe on your podcast app or follow if you're listening on Spotify. 
I'm Vanessa Fuchs, and this episode of Branch Out was produced by Dan Butler.